Take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah and chapter number 40. And we're going to look at this here together. Isaiah chapter number 40 and verse number 26. We'll just read the last part. And, and uh, I believe what we'll do is during the message, I may just read through the first part of Isaiah 40 as well. We may or may not read every verse, but I, it's so beautifully written. And I'd like for us to consider it here together. Just a couple of things while maybe you're still finding your place there, Isaiah 40. Friend Day is coming up. November the 2nd, there are Friend Day invitations. And then there's a Friend Day contract that you have people fill out. And we're going to send them a reminder as we get close to November the 12th as the day is. And we're going to have Sunday school and church. And it's going to be a great time to get people here that need to hear the gospel. And that is the whole intent of the day, both morning and night. We'll have salvation testimonies and we'll have a gospel message and songs that are designed uh, to help people to understand. And secondly, I, I want to uh, pray and ask you even just to pray for Brother Matt as he's speaking to the youth. I'd, my preference would be to have him in this auditorium preaching Sunday morning and preaching on the fact that we're created in the image of God. But I believe we're at a very um, crucial moment in our history and a crisis point for our young people in particular who are being bombarded with humanistic thinking and they need to know that they are created in the image of God, male and female created he them and therefore they have purpose and therefore we ought to respect life whether born or after birth and right up into the old age and not exercise euthanasia. All that is tied to the fact that you're created in the image of God. So he's preaching that to the young people. I went up there before uh, church this morning and I got around and met some of them. And, and of course our own young people growing up. I'm so glad they've got an opportunity to hear this. It's I think a very pivotal time for them to get that very, very important message. Okay, we're just gonna read the last part here. Isaiah 40. And verse number 26, lift up your eyes on high, lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names. Talking about the stars. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power, not one faileth. He knows where they are. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord. He doesn't know what's going on in my life. He knows where every star is. He knows where you are. He knows who you are. He knows your name. We may not, but he does. And my judgment is passed over from my God. God speaks using Isaiah. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. 
But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hast thou not heard? Hast thou not known? Did, didst thou not go to the creation conference? <laughs> God created all this. And if you needed somebody to create you, you need somebody to sustain you. Jim Berg said, and that's right on. And so let's give that consideration. Father, one more time, I'd like to pray because I'd like to pray specifically for Brother Matt Sperling that you created and you saved as a 15-year-old. And now he speaks to others who are that same age. Help him in a special way. Pray there be teens saved, but I pray also that, that there be teens that in their school who are being bombarded with evolutionary thought would be confronted today with the truth and believe you. And help us today as we stand in awe of our Creator. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. That's the title of our message today. Stand in awe of your Creator. Stand in awe. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. The word uh, create here, bara in Hebrew, but nonetheless, the word create is actually used the most, this particular word is verb is used the most actually in Isaiah. He's using it often. In fact, uh, chapter 40 to chapter 55, he uses the word create or created 16 times. And then there's other words such as make or formed, you know, the earth. There's times that he does it. In fact, I want to show you a few of them. If you'd just follow along with me, we read, you know, here in the last part of chapter 40. And uh, we'll come back to that. But look at, if you would, just turn to a few of these verses. I think it'll be a blessing to you. Chapter 42, verse 5. 42, verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it. He that giveth breath up unto the people upon it. Hey, you, you know, you got, you got oxygen going into your nostrils right now because God has given it to you. Our very breath and spirit to them that walk therein. Go to chapter 44 and verse 24, just briefly, if you would. There are many verses we're skipping over, just hitting a few of them um, where he's emphasizing the fact of a creator. 44, 24, chapter 44, 24, it says, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. He that formed thee from the womb. Hey, life begins at conception. And that little one in the womb is created fearfully and wonderfully by God. Uh, Brother Matt said to us on Friday night, contrary to what evolutionists teach us, you did not go from goo, goo to you. <laughs> no, you, you were created fearfully and wonderfully by a great and intelligent God. And so he said, he formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things that stretches forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. <laughs> How about that? Chapter 45, 
We'll find about four verses right here, and that'll be all that we're going to look at for the moment. Chapter 45 and verse number, uh, verse, let me see here, verse number nine, woe unto him that striveth with his maker. There's a warning right there, right? And he uses an illustration, let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, why makest thou or to thy, or thy work? He hath no hands. Hey, does the, does the clay look up and say, what are you doing? And yet man strives, is at war with his maker. That's really what we're seeing today is war against our maker. As gender confusion is taking place and, and surgeries so sadly are being performed upon children and young people that will live to regret the day. We're striving against our maker is really what's going on. Verse number 12, I have made the earth, God says, and created man upon it. I, even I, even my hands have stretched out the heavens and all their hosts have I commanded. Drop down to verse number 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it, not in vain. I, I like this part of the verse. This caught my attention this summer as I was trying to teach those sixth grade boys about creation. He formed it to be inhabited. God formed this earth to be populated. Don't let anybody tell you that the earth is overpopulated. No, no, no. Oh, no. Not at all. We have not taxed God's earth. There's still room. Just get up in a plane and fly and you'll see all kinds of territory. There's plenty of land. Now, there's some greedy people that live on it. There's plenty of land. God made the earth to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none Else, And then I, I want to direct your attention to verse 22 where he says, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God there, and there is none else. There's only one Savior. There's only one Creator. Jesus is the Creator. Did you know that? According to the book of Colossians, that by him all things created. He himself was not created. He is the Creator. And he is the one who died on the cross for you. I love the words that uh, Brother Kevin put in a song. They crucified their maker. We crucified our maker. And yet he says, look unto me and be ye saved all ye ends of the earth. Okay, so let's go back to chapter number 40 with that in mind. And let me direct your attention again to verse number one, uh, 26 rather. Lift up your eyes on high. Lift up your eyes on high. Again, 40, 26. Lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things. Lift up your eyes on high. I went for an early morning run a couple weeks ago, met up with a, a friend and, and we met about six o'clock in the morning. It was dark. And I looked up and I saw, you know, all the stars. Oh, my son, I was out there by Lake Overholster and, and, and man, they were just so brilliant and, and it was so bright. And I thought, wow. Hey, you need to get out from under some streetlights every now and then. <laughs> Amen. 
get out from under some streetlights. And we got to drive someplace to get like that. I understand that. I wasn't totally out of all the streetlights, but man, it was enough to where I could see the stars. Oh, I love just getting out there in the country. I, I, love, uh, I love hunting even just for that reason. If I don't even see any animals, I just love to look up and see all the stars of the heavens and just look up. A lot of people yesterday went out and looked up. Even unbelievers looking up. Looking up and God says, go outside and look up. Look up. Look up. When things are looking down, you need to look up. When things are looking down, you need to look up. Isaiah used the fact that God was a creator to encourage the people in their circumstances. Look at verse number one in this chapter. He says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Oh, hey, just the fact that alone that he says, my people. Because he's taken 39 chapters to say, you're not acting like my people. 39 chapters of, of judgment, 39 chapters of saying, uh, you think that I'm like you, but I'm not. You, you, my ways are higher than your ways. And, and that's actually in chapter 55. But nonetheless, that's the idea in the preceding 39 chapters. He's saying Israel has been uh, guilty before God. God called court. And he said, come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Thank God he said that though your sins are as scarlet, they'll be white as wool. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as snow. And, and so even your sins, even though you've sinned against God, God can save you and cleanse you. There's hope. There's hope. And they needed that hope. At this point in time, Assyria was beginning to take some into captivity. They eventually would go into Assyrian captivity, the northern kingdom, as Israel was split into two. And the southern kingdom would soon be taken to Babylon. God said, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Literally, it's speak to their heart. Encourage them. Speak. I wonder if there's anybody in here today that might need a little bit of encouragement. I wonder if there's anybody in here that, that is facing the guilt of your sin or maybe you've done some things even recently that you regret and, and you're at a place where you, you just even don't even feel like, like even being here today. Hey, listen, there's, there's some hope here today. Yeah, he says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Thank God, even when we've been away from him, even after we're saved, even though we've been away from him, that he still calls us his people. He never puts us off as his people. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. There's such a shift in Isaiah as a book from chapter 39 to chapter 40 that some people say, some liberals, you know, it's just like we've seen in, in the conference, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. And they say there must be two Isaiahs. There must be two people that have written, written this because they're so drastically different. Plus this, once you get into chapter 40 and following, you're going to see God naming Cyrus by name ahead of time and other things like that prophetically that they say, listen, there's no way that somebody that wrote so many years ago could write this about, about what was going to happen. This must be history. Not if it's given by inspiration of God who knows the beginning to the end. And that it is, so it's not two Isaiahs. Jesus quoted Isaiah as Isaiah. Paul quoted Isaiah as Isaiah. Actually, all I needed to say right there is that Jesus said it. And Paul, under inspiration, said it. That ought to settle it right there, that this is the Isaiah. So anyways, I'm just tossing that out there for free. It says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. 
One individual said chapter 40 through 48 specifically is almost like a, a symphony, an orchestra. And this chapter here, chapter 40, is like the overture, the, just the introduction to it. And my soul, how good the symphony must be or how good the, the cantata is going to be or how good the symphony is going to be if the chapter 40, the overture, is this good. I'm looking forward to the cantata already and they're beginning to practice and the uh, instruments are getting, you know, and, and the instruments, instrumentalists are getting ready to play and man, when it comes in and I think, oh my soul, it's going to be good right here. Oh yeah, well you read chapter 40 and you think, oh my soul, this is going to be good. You, you know what makes it so good? It's following something so bad. How wicked and vile that they were. Hey, but listen, even though you've been wicked and vile and against God, even fighting against your maker, he still loves you, dear friend. Yes, he does. So he says, comfort them, comfort them. And, and the reason he's doing this is because they're losing hope. But they could have hope if they would turn to God as their redeemer. If they would repent. I'll look at, if you would, in verse number three. We, we doing all right? Is, you following along so far? The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare you the way the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. God's coming. God's coming to Israel is the announcement. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places shall be made plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Hey, can I say to you right here that that, that is fulfilled in John the Baptist who was crying in the wilderness saying, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. And notice what it said in verse number three, number, number three as it says, prepare you the way of the Lord. All caps, that's Jehovah. Jesus is Jehovah. The Lord came and he came himself to Jerusalem. Verse number nine, I'm just gonna point out a few of these verses and not read them, but he would come to Jerusalem and that's, that's where we are in the gospel of Matthew. Jesus came to Jerusalem. He would take them as a shepherd. Look at verse number 11. This is in reference to Jesus. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. And gently lead those that are with young. Hey, how about that tender shepherd right there? Our Lord and Savior is our shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. And I give my life for the sheep. And, and so this is all prophecy about Jesus. And then what happens in verses 12 through 25, you have the greatness of God displayed in creation. And then he picks up that same thing in verse number 26 again. All right, so look at verse number 12. He asks a question. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. <laughs> what scientist has gathered all the waters of the ocean right there in their hand and can measure it? Do you realize we've only explored just a very small part of our oceans? Who hath measured it? And he goes on, or meted out heaven with a span. In other words, who has measured the universe? It's puzzling. You realize that the, the galaxy that is next, that's closest to ours is 2.5 million light years away? Light years. It takes 2.5 million years for light from there to get here. Ah! I'm on overload. 
That's huge. And God says, I've measured that out. I know every one of them. I know all the galaxies. Or comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. Anybody counted all the dust? Has anybody weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Have you, have you weighed Pike's Peak lately? Hey, listen, you go to Colorado Springs, you may not even see it. I've been there two out of three times. I couldn't even see it because it's cloud wrapped. So high, it's wrapped in the clouds. But I believe by faith it was there. And it is. You can't weigh that thing. God says, I know what it weighs. You know what, you know what these verses like this make me feel? Very small. Who hath, I'm at verse 13 now, who hath directed the spirit of the Lord or who hath been his counselor hath taught him? Who being his counselor hath taught him? Um, who here's counseled God? God doesn't need to watch some kind of a talk show, friend. God doesn't make any phone calls. God doesn't need any counselors. With whom hath he took counsel in verse 14? Or instructed him or taught him in the way, the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations, oh, would you listen to this? Verse number 15, behold, the nations, plural, the nations, including the United States of America, are as a drop in a bucket. Russia raging against God. North Korea raging against God. China raging against God. Hamas raging against God. They're just a little drop in a bucket. Could all be tossed out in a second. We think we're something. We think we're something with our Supreme Courts. We think we're something that we can rule on what God's already ruled on. We think we're something that we can say a man can marry a man if a man wants to, or a woman can marry a woman if, he, if she wants to. Well, they, they do, but they can't have God's approval in doing so. Hey, I think it's probably good for us to be reminded here today, we're just a drop in the bucket. In fact, the nations, plural are, so we're less than a drop in the bucket individually. All right. Well, this is fun. Lebanon is not sufficient to burn nor the beast. I'm in 16. Therefore, thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. You know, what, you know what he's saying right there? All the cedar of Lebanon, all the, burnt, all the burnt sacrifices, all the animals, they would not be enough to show God how great he is. All of them put together. Verse number 17, all nations are before him as nothing and they are counted to him as less than nothing and vanity. To whom will you then liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? Who's like God? None's like God. That's the obvious answer. Verse 19, the workman melted the graven image. He talks about idolatry in 19. And then in verse 20, the same. And in verse number 21, he comes back at it here. And for the sake of time, I'm just gonna kind of move us along here a little bit. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Have they not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? 
It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. <laughs> God knew the earth wasn't flat. He sits upon the circle of the earth. Mm. And the inhabitants of the, thereof are as grasshoppers. I squashed one right over there this morning. A cricket that got in. Yep. If we counted crickets sometimes this season of the year, I mean, we'd be running 3,000 <laughs> in church. All these little crickets sometimes that get in. Hey, you and I, I mean, come on, friend, just think about it. I mean, somebody here may be saying, you know, kind of feeling proud. Would you please remember that you can't even ensure that you're going to get your next breath? Would you please remember this morning that you're like a little grasshopper that could be squashed? Like a little spider? I went to open the door this past week and there's a spider right there on the handle. Knocked him down and took him out of this world. Nearly all in one motion. Hey, I'm just simply saying to you, you and I were nothing. You're not, you, but you matter to God. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that. He's just putting things in perspective. Would you please remember here, you're not in charge. You're not the CEO of the universe. If you think you are, you need to resign. Verse number 22 again, he sits upon the circle of the earth, the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretches out the heavens as a curtain. Hey, maybe you went this morning, you opened up the curtain or, or maybe just that light curtain. That's what he's saying. He stretched out the galaxies as though it were just a little thin curtain. These are word pictures to help us understand just the greatness of God and how majestic and holy that he is. And he spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in that bringeth the princes to nothing. He bringeth the judges of the earth as vanity. And then he goes on in verse 25, same idea, verse 20, 24 and 25, to whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Lord, the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high. So obviously he's saying, listen, don't be lifted up in pride, but also this, don't be so low in despondency. And that's what he's saying, comfort my people. Hey, you're not in a hopeless situation given the fact where he sits upon the throne, given who he is. Lift up your eyes on high. See the constellations. See the eclipse. See all these things and know that he made all those things. He created them. Hey, do you remember? And he, oh, well, let me read the rest of the verse there. It says that he, he bringeth them out by their host by number. Bringeth them out. That's a military term. It's like he's the general and he marches them out. Again, it's word pictures, but it's beautiful. He marches the stars out every night. In formation. Hup. <laughs> huh? Calling cadence on the stars. He bringing them out by number. He knows how many there are. In our galaxy alone, NASA, I just got on their website, they say, well, here's what they said. Let me read this here. This is actually illustrating what the passage is saying. NASA says this, it is very difficult to count the number of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. 
It's very difficult to count. That's your job. Come on, count. It is very difficult to count. God says, I know how many there are. It is very difficult to count the number of stars in the Milky Way galaxy, in the Milky Way from our position inside the galaxy. Our best estimates tell us that the Milky Way is made up of approximately 100 billion stars. <laughs> 100 billion stars in our galaxy. And then it, it goes on to talk about the, that, that uh, that's just our galaxy and there are billions of other galaxies. And they're still counting. <laughs> and God says this, I know all those stars by name. Uh, Psalm 147 verse four, he tells the number of the stars. He called them all by their names. Some of you can't even remember your kids' names. <laughs> he, said, he said to Job, when Job, he put Job in his place and he said, canst thou, canst thou bind the sweet influences of, of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season? He's talking about the constellations that he named. He said, Job. He didn't, his voice didn't crack. <laughs> Job, do you bring out all the constellations, calling them by name? Where were you when I made those? He gave Job a 77 science test that he flunked. Because he was not there when all that happened, but God was. If you name something, you know the essence of it. If you name something, that kind of shows your, no, not kind of, that shows your ownership over it. Men name everything. And women too, they name babies. Shows your authority. I gave you your name. <laughs> Live with it. <laughs> authority. People name boats. You know, I mean, all kinds of names on boats. My favorite is the preacher's boat. Some of you heard about this. He had a boat named, he named Visitation. So when somebody called him on his cell phone, he can say, yeah, I'm out on Visitation. <laughs> Boats, cars, guns, knives, swords. Hey, you better watch out. You have to talk to old Betsy, something like that. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we name it. Hey, can I say something to you? He, he named the stars that shows his ownership over them. It shows he knows their essence. He knows their dimension. He knows their heat. He knows the light. We can't even look up at the sun with our normal eyes. We got to buy some special glasses. Come on now. We can't even record it with a, with a normal lens. You got to have something special. And he knows everything about it. And then he makes his point. Why sayest thou, O Jacob? He's talking to Israel. The old name for, for Israel was Jacob, the, the, the son there of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and he changed his name to, to Israel. And he says, why sayest thou, O Jacob? Why speakest thou, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord. Hey, 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 stop. If he knows where the stars are and he knows how many they are, there are and he calls them by name, you can't say God doesn't know what I'm going through. 
You cannot say God doesn't know who you are. You cannot say God doesn't care. You cannot say God missed what happened to me. God is missing what's going on. You cannot say that biblically. Because God knows everything. Well, you say the next part, my, my judgment is passed over from my God. And you know what they're saying right there? He doesn't vindicate me. He doesn't take my case. Oh, my friend, listen at Mount Calvary. He took your place, not just your case. But we feel like God ought to be nearly subservient to us. He doesn't do what I think he ought to do. Who are you? Name, name five stars. <laughs> Some of you could do it. Some of you are into science. Have me say, I, I'll be honest, I don't think I could. My hand's up. I just named three and I'm forgetting their names. <laughs> you can't name the stars. So why are you trying to control everything? He names them all. And, and, and why do you think he doesn't know what's going on in your life? Oh, friend, he does. He knew what was going on in Israel. They had the invasion of Assyria that was beginning to take place. And they were thinking, how could this happen to us? We're God's people. I mean, it's sad right now, isn't it? What has happened through Hamas, that violent terrorist organization? It's terrible. And I could see Israel and others wondering, why is this happening? Hey, as we were attacked in, in, in 2001 and, and those twin towers fell. Hey, I'm sure, I mean, we were feeling the same way. How could this happen? Hey, listen, it doesn't mean God's not in control, friend. It doesn't mean he doesn't know. It doesn't mean he doesn't care. He says, hast thou not known, in verse 28 now, hast thou not known, hast thou not, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, oh my soul, the everlasting God, there's nothing in the past he doesn't know about. There's nothing in the future that he doesn't know about. The everlasting God knows what's going on in your life. Look what else he says there. The Lord, the self-existent one, the creator of the ends of the earth. Hey, there's nobody. There's nobody that's not under his jurisdiction. Nothing hid from him. He doesn't miss anything. He's not overlooking wrong. There's no loose ends. There's no uncontrollable circumstances. There's no overtaxing of God's ability to track what's going on. One man said that the nation's present difficulties cannot be attributed. I like what this gentleman said. The nation Israel's uh, situation and difficulties, their circumstances could not be attributed to divine weakness. They cannot be attributed to God's neglect. They are not attributed to his injustice or his misunderstanding. Hey, you and I are weak. You and I neglect. You and I are unjust. You and I misunderstand, but God is not absent. God is not unavailable. God is not unwilling to help. He's able. He's got so much power, he can give it away without losing any. Verse number 29, he giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall, even the youth, even the young people shall faint and be weary. And the, and the young men shall utterly fall. You know what that means? Even young people. Okay, you say you're not one of the representatives. I'm pretending. Even the young people, they get weary, they get tired. 
Every year we have the Dave Hardy Invitational, and many of you students don't run all year long until that day in May. You're 18 years old, and you think you're going to show up and run a 5K without stopping, and I pass a bunch of them. <laughs> Not because I'm fast, but because I plod. And they run real fast, and they get tired and walk. Then they run real fast, and they get tired and walk. I, I, I pass them about five to six times. And they may get a little burst of strength at the end and, and win, and I don't even care. I'm just glad they run. Even the youth get tired and weary. Even they faint. I was working out with my son, uh, Tyler, and he was trying to sh show me how to use some free weights. And man, he said, Dad, you got to work out until failure. And I thought, I don't want to fail. <laughs> but I, I about knocked myself out. I was just working with, I, I hate to, I don't even tell you how light it was, but I'd been doing it so long that I, my arm just kind of gave way. And I, I'm done. You listen to me? Hey, we get weary, we get tired, we get faint, we wear out, we get, we get tired of things. The strongest of men grow weak. The fastest of men come to a walker. The most fierce fighter trembles. But our God has never lost strength. Our God has never lost speed. Our God has never lost his way. Our God has never forgotten anything. He's, he knows all things and he's not, he's not going to draw a blank like you and I do. Praise his holy name. So what should we do? Wait. Verse 31. Wait on the Lord. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But they that wait, we have a hard time waiting, don't we? The idea here of this word means this, look for, hope for, trust, as I heard Brother Cecil, my assistant in preaching say, trust. Look for expectantly, with eager expectation. Listen to this, I wanna read just a short paragraph right here. Are you listening? It'll bless you. This expression implies two things. Complete dependence on God, number one, and a willingness to allow him to decide the terms. Complete dependence on God and letting him decide the terms of things. To wait on him is to admit we have no other help. To wait on him to say, God, I'm waiting on you means I have no other help apart from you in ourselves or in any other. Therefore, we are helpless until he acts. By the same token, to wait on him is to declare our confidence in his eventual action on our behalf. Thus, waiting in Hebrew is not merely killing time, but a life of confident expectations. And those who give up their frantic efforts to save themselves and turn expectantly to God will be able to replace or exchange their worn out strength with new strength. Oh, wow. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The idea is this, your strength is worn out. You come and he exchanges his strength for your worn out strength. That's the idea. Renew, exchange. It literally does mean change. Like it actually it's used in another passage about changing garments. Like yours are worn out. He gives you some new ones. 
They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They soar above their circumstances. Somebody said, your circumstances, you're under your circumstances. What are you doing under there? <laughs> How you doing? Not, not, not bad for under my circumstances. How'd you get under there? I'll tell you how we get under there. We lose sight of who he is. In fact, I like what one, set, one individual said, you're not gonna believe how close I am to done. Listen to this. He said, someone identified circumstances as this, those nasty things you see when you get your eyes off God. Break the word down. Circumstances. Circumference around what's standing around you. It's like it's in your face and, and you, got, you got that problem and this problem and this going on and that going on. And, and man, you've lost sight. Here's what you need to do. Go outside and look up into the heavens and see the stars that he, he made them and he knows their number and he knows their name and he knows your name and he knows what's going on. And so basically this is, this is saying, listen, you need to stand in all of your creator and your circumstances will not be controlling. Amen. Comfort comes to those who conclude that God's greatness is greater than their circumstances. Encouragement, help, comfort comes to those who conclude, who conclude God's greatness is greater than my circumstances. I'll be honest with you, it does not mean that things are going to work out like you'd want them to. But you can trust this, he's in charge. And he can exchange your worn out wisdom, strength, ability, et cetera, et cetera, for his infinite strength and wisdom and grace. And certainly this applies to salvation because there's no way you and your power are going to save yourself. But on Mount Calvary, the infinite God died in your place to save you from yourself. Praise his holy name. I just stand in awe. Let's stand together here this morning. Some of you have some circumstances that are just overwhelming to you. And humanly speaking, it's very understandable. But what Isaiah is doing here and what I believe God is doing here today is to cause us to get our eyes off the size, magnitude, weight, oppression of our circumstances and to get our eyes back on Him and His greatness. So you ought to just come today and bow before Him and wait on Him and, and determine today. That's basically what you would do. I'm going to determine, God, I'm going to wait on you. I want to do what you want me to do, but in this circumstance, you may be at a place there's not anything that you can do, but don't rule out God. And as I've already mentioned, if today you need salvation, we'd love to see you come and trust Christ as your Savior this very day. Father, thank you for this opportunity to look at this passage together. And thank you for reminding us of your greatness. I pray for those that are in some circumstances right now, some situations of life that stand as a, an opposing foe all around them. And maybe they don't see a way out. 
I pray that, Lord, that they would look out, look up rather to you. In Jesus' name, amen.